I think it was just such a freeing experience for both of us to realize like we have everything we need on our back. Like, yeah, we're probably going to need some more food and yeah, these clothes are probably going to get really gross at some point, but you have everything you need. And there's just a lot of freedom in that. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, I'm excited to welcome you to the show today as we kick off a new themed series. Sometimes I do series of four or so episodes that follow a similar theme. I like to plan the show this way, and I'm really hoping this particular theme is going to be of service to most of you. Uh, Let's call this one a mega series because, yeah, there will be several episodes along this new theme, which is Epic Backyard Adventures right here in the U.S. My goal is is to invite guests from all over the country to share some off-the-beaten-path adventures close to home to encourage you to get out without having to travel too far from your home. So we're sort of zeroing in on more populated areas since that's where most of you live. Um, And for those of us in the U.S. right now, this should be especially inspiring. And for those of us outside the U.S. right now, Save these tips for your next visit because you can do these things one day as well. Um, I'm guessing you already know what has inspired this series, Enter COVID. Um, And most of my listeners are based in the U.S. And we are not being allowed entry, well, uh, nearly anywhere right now for the foreseeable future. And this is currently September 2020. So, We will continue to focus on what we can do, and that is play in our own backyard and maybe some of our neighbor's backyards. Um, And I'm talking super regional here, too. Please make sure that if you do travel, that you do so respectfully and carefully and as close to home as makes sense for you until we get through this. Uh, Hopefully, these next several episodes will help you get some ideas. Even if the exact places we talk about are out of reach for you, there are a lot of tips and ideas in each episode that you can apply to wherever you are. So let's get started with some epic backyard travel inspiration. My first guests in this series are very dear to me. You guys are going to meet my best friend, Dawn, today and her husband, Darren, Uh, They're joining us because they completed a through hike of the Tahoe Rim Trail just last summer. And if you haven't heard of the Tahoe Rim Trail, well, I'll let them explain a little further about the details. Um, But it is a long distance through hike that goes around the the rim of the mountains um, surrounding Lake Tahoe, which is actually where I am originally from. So this one kind of hits close to home for me. But Um, Anyone interested in any kind of long distance hiking, backpacking, through hiking, this is a good episode for you to pay attention to. Uh, Dawn has also written a couple of great blog posts about how to prepare for a long distance hike, planning, packing, food, et cetera. That's actually on the Budget Minded Traveler blog. 
And there's a link in the show notes. And there is another epic guide specifically about hiking the Tahoe Rim Trail on Don's own blog. And there's also a link in the show notes to that. And I'll remind you about those at the end of this episode. In 30 seconds or less, tell us about your experience with Oboe's footwear. My name is Gary, and I've had the Firebrands, and I've had the Missoulas. I like them because they're very comfortable, and they're very durable. I've had the Firebrands for six or seven years. I've used them for hiking, patrolling, cutting wood, and working around the place. That brand is still going strong. I recently purchased a pair of Missoulas. They're very, very comfortable. They're more for casual wear, and I really love them. Shout out to Gary for that. We are proudly partnering with Oboe's Footwear for this series. They plant a tree for every pair of Oboe's sold. Check out oboesfootwear.com to see their entire line and perhaps a familiar face. Wink, wink. If you want to go straight to my partner page with them, you can find it at travelingjackie.com slash Oboe's. Oboe's is O-B-O-Z, by the way. It's what happens when you put outside and Bozeman together. Yep, they're based right down the street from me here in Bozeman, Montana. And they prioritize adventure as well. So I'm very excited to introduce them as Jump's newest sponsor. And now here's Don and Darren. Well, after six years of podcasting, I finally get to introduce you guys to my very best friend, Don, and her husband, Darren. Yay for Don and Darren. Welcome to the show. Woohoo. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Honored. I know you guys, I know Darren, you, you actually listened to some of these. So, um, thank you for that. And, uh, no, it's, it's so cool to get to have something to talk with you guys about on my very own podcast. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Um, first, why don't you guys tell us who you are and what you do and where you live and we'll get going from there. You want to start? Sure, sure. Um, Don and I have been married uh, six years. Um, we uh, live in uh, near downtown Reno. Um, we've been together um, for a little longer than that. Um, we live in a home that was on my paper out in downtown Reno. Uh, Don was born in Idaho. Maybe I should let her explain about her. But um, <laughs> I've lived in Reno my entire life. I'm 52. And I'm a firefighter for the city of Reno. Um, I work downtown on a ladder truck. Um, and two kids that are nearly grown up and out, almost done. And um, Don and I like to adventure together. And we have a dog, Sully. Yay, Sully. Yeah. Uh, Darren is 51, not 52. <laughs> okay, first, first edit. <laughs> This is why you keep her around. Hey, Darren. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I'm Dawn. Uh, I'm Darren's wife. And uh, I am 36. And um, obviously also live here in Rito. And I was in wildland firefighting for 17 years. I resigned from that a couple of years ago to be able to spend more time with my family and my friends and actually enjoy summertime. And so for the last couple of years, I've coached a little bit of CrossFit, started a blog, went to yoga teacher training, and now I'm just living day to day, supporting Darren here at home and um, spending a lot of time with my family. Mm -hmm. I'm from 
from Idaho. And so this life has allowed me to, to help my parents out and um, be there for my family, which is super important to me. And also be able to do things like hike. Mm-hmm. So I used to have to do that for work. And it just wasn't as exciting to think about going hiking on the weekends when you were doing that all week long. So now I get to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And now you have a little furry friend to go with you. Yes, our little rescue, Sully. We've had him about four months and he's definitely part of most of our adventures definitely. now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm so glad that you get to at least share some of your story uh, with everybody because you are um, super inspiring to me. You know that. We tell each other all the time. But um, your decisions of how you have created a life that suits you is super, um, have been just really cool to watch and um, how you've kind of built this new arena for yourself in in purpose. I love it. Um, and you started your blog, which has been super inspiring. And so anyway, we're going to get to talk about some of the things that you've covered on there, um, including your TRT hike. Uh, so let's, but how about this? Um, since we're in COVID, during COVID, um, let's start with maybe some things that you've noticed on the trails. Um, because I know that you are a hiker, but you've also been seeing kind of an influx of, of people on the trails. And I'm curious as a local in the Tahoe area, um, what that has meant to you and what, what you've seen happening out there, what's going on with outdoors. Well, definitely starting in about March, uh, started to see a lot more people outside, which I mean, honestly, for someone who I think Darren and I can both say, see the benefits of being outside and recreating and spending time on trail. There's so many amazing things to see and do and so many amazing benefits of of just being outside and, and recreating outdoors. We live in the Tahoe area. There's just no shortage of, of beautiful places. So at first it was a, it was exciting to see how many people were also recognizing that. Um, as people were staying home more, the they were kind of limited with obviously where they could go and outdoors feels like a, a, a quote unquote quote, safe place right now. And, um, so yeah, definitely started seeing a huge influx of people on the trails. Um, unfortunately, along with that, I've also seen and heard and read about many, many issues out there pertaining to, uh, leave no trace or rather leaving more of a trace than should be left out there. So, a lot more trash, um, more unattended uh, humans started campfires. In fact, they just banned campfires here in Nevada indefinitely because oh, wow. of how many abandoned campfires they were finding. Oh, um, wow. And so, yeah, a, a little disheartening. I, I also know that a lot of people are still doing their Tahoe rum shells through hikes this year. Um, which if you can do that, um, in a socially distanced manner, then 
awesome. Unfortunately, when there's so many people out there, um, that can become a challenge. And so there's, there's actually been numerous articles recently from some of the locals up in Tahoe who have just been pretty disgusted at how much trash has been left up there. Now, I think there's probably a little bit more on the beaches and such and less on the trails. Um, but certainly with more people using the trail, um, there's just unfortunately been a, uh, a lot of people that have left things behind. Yeah. And a negative uh, impact yeah. on the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we should start with that. Just uh, you mentioned leave no trace. And that is a super important part of participating in the backcountry or participating in hiking uh, are the leave no trace principles. Do you have those? In front of yeah, you? so it's um, you can find them all at leave no trace. So lnt.org. Mm-hmm. Um, leave no trace consists of seven principles that Darren and I were very careful to adhere to, not just on our through hike, but um, every time we go out into the woods. Um, and so those seven principles are plan ahead and prepare, travel and camp on durable surfaces dispose of waste properly, leave what you find, minimize campfire impacts, respect wildlife, and be considerate of other visitors. And um, I think we saw issues pertaining to all seven of these while we were out there on the trail. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually found an abandoned campfire that we helped put out. Um, We encountered bears. And unfortunately, we also encountered people who thought they were doing a really good job hanging their food, but it was pretty dismal. Mm. Um, And unfortunately there are just people out there that aren't super considerate of others, um, which kind of ties into, uh, you know, disposing of waste properly. If you're going to use the bathroom out there, please, please, please dig a hole at least eight inches deep, bury it. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some areas, that you go to where they actually want you to pack out your waste toilet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of, all of your waste. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I don't know, we just kind of adhere to like, leave it better than you found it. Mm -hmm. So even if there's trash on the trail that isn't mine, I mean, as long as it isn't poo poo paper, kind of draw the line there. Um, Yeah. Really big on packing even what isn't yours out because you're going to leave it better than you find it. And, we want to be able to enjoy these trails for years to come and, um, you know, big picture. Yeah. And if we're ruining them and having a really negative impact on them, that's going to become harder and harder to do. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of all of our responsibility as we head out into the woods to to adhere to these seven principles. At least educate yourself on them. Know a little bit about them. Um, because sometimes people just don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to just do a little research. That's that first principle of planning ahead and preparing before you go so that when you get out there, you can leave it better than you found it. Yeah. Um, That is pretty much, I mean, you kind of summed up the definition of sustainable travel. If we don't take care of these places, uh, we're not going to be able to continue to enjoy them. And they'll shut them down. That's what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. They've been down some areas on some ranger districts and some forests and yep. 
um, it's not just going to get terrible. They're just going to completely make it so we can't use it. And um, so that's why, you know, tried to practice that. Exactly. Yep. Totally believe in that. And um, there is Google and YouTube for anything that we need to educate ourselves about. I was actually just looking at uh, some pictures from, you you know, Brittany, our friend, Brittany, she's actually been on the show. She's been on some of my group trips and she just took herself on her first solo camping trip. And I was looking at her Instagram story and it said uh, she realized she didn't actually know how to build a campfire. And so she Googled it and like shared that on her story. And I thought that was just (laughs) awesome. You know, just like good for her because she's, when she doesn't know something, she's she's goes about doing it the right way. I kept being impressed by the things that she was telling me that she was learning and educating herself around. <laughs> I'm like, you're doing it right, you know? Like you're making smart decisions by by looking things up and doing them properly and, you know, so yes. Yeah. Well, I'm likely close to the, whatever article or video she watched, there was one on how to properly extinguish a campfire, which is just as if not mm-hmm. more important, to know how to do before you light the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make sure you know how to put it out dead out, right? Yes, yes. And in relation to COVID, the whole, you know, the seventh principle being considerate of other visitors. I mean, I'm not going to get into a big mass discussion here, but a lot of trails are really narrow. And that was something that, uh, I, that is something that I've observed in the last six months of, doing like 400 miles or something like I think I'm up to about 400 miles on trail during COVID is just be considerate of other people. It doesn't really matter what your beliefs are on everything that's going on. It's just important to be considerate of others. So if you see someone coming towards you on the trail or needing to pass you, just step off the trail um, and, and give them that six feet or three feet or however many feet you can give them safely Um, And just, you know, we all need to take care of each other out there. And so I think that's an important part, you know, specific to what's going on right now, too. So definitely. Do you have any tips on trail etiquette, actually, that are like not just leave no trace, but um, who should pass who? Like what's, you know, like being considerate of other people who are on your trail who need to get by or like who pulls over first sort of thing? So if you're on a trail where um, stock like horses or uh, was it mules? <laughs> yeah, mules. Yeah. I'm not a user, so apologize. But uh, so if you're on a trail where horses and bikes and hikers are all allowed on the same trail, um, hikers always yield to horses. Actually, hikers and bikers yield to horses. We all yield to horses. They're bigger. Um, and then hikers or bikers are supposed to yield to hikers. So that means if you come towards a bike on the trail, technically the biker is supposed to get off the trail and let you pass Hmm. as a hiker and a mountain biker. I know it can be really challenging on a mountain bike to get off the trail and it's easier as a hiker to just step to the side. Um, so a lot of times that's just kind of that whole being considerate thing. It's easier to yeah. just step to the side as a hiker. Um, and then did I get all those? Yeah, you got them. And, you know, the other thing, too, if you are a mountain biker out there, um, one of the things that really helps the hikers is some type of noise, like a bell 
or yes. maybe whistle ahead of time when mm-hmm. you're coming upon us. Um, Jackie, I listened to some of your podcasts to get me through the 180 miles on the TRT. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I'm not completely um, aware of everything that's going on. I just had one earbud in, mm-hmm. so I could kind of hear. But some of these mountain bikes come up on you pretty fast, and that's fine. You know, they're enjoying the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, bell or something. Um, and I'm happy to get out of the way if I know you're coming. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the, the bikes ride on your your tail, and they're saying, excuse me. And you just don't know. So, yeah. you know, just kind of raising your noise level or mm-hmm. pedaling or whistling or, you know, a bell works really well. And I think it makes it so we can manage the trail together. I think that's a really good point. Actually, um, as a runner, too, as a trail runner, I have to come up faster on people. Um, yeah. And I've also discovered that saying, you know, I mean, you got to pick a side. Basically, I will decide since I'm coming up behind, I will say on your left or on your right. And that way, as they hear me, they can understand which side to move to because sometimes it scares them. And (laughs) but if you're telling them exactly where you are, then they know immediately without getting flustered and turning around to see where you are, they can just step to the to one side or the other. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah, super good point. Um, along with that headphones things, one of the trail etiquette thing that is just like a huge pet peeve for me is people that use speakers outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Darren knows this. I, I give him a a look every time I see someone blasting their music hiking. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm outside to get away from the noise and headphones were created for a reason. I think that's a really good point about Either just maybe using one or, yeah. you know, having the volume low enough that you can hear and be aware of your surroundings. But um, not everybody wants to hear Nicki your Minaj yeah. in the back. <laughs> I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> I find sometimes people do that to in bear country. And that I can totally respect. But there are ways around it. Like you could bring you could sure. just get a bell instead. Like yep. if you're hiking alone get a bell and put it on your backpack and it just kind of constantly dings, you know, just to let the bears know that you're there uh, without subjecting everyone to Nicki Minaj. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, Uh, One of the thing I thought of too, I mean, just being a new dog owner um, is, you know, my dog's off leash most of the time on a trail, um, but he listens really well and he stays really close to me. But even though he listens well, um, something that even prior to having a dog that I didn't really like is when other people's dogs just rushed up to me on trail. You just don't know uh-huh. if they're friendly or if they aren't. Um, so if you're a dog owner, just make sure you have good control of your animal mm-hmm. out there too. Just people, not everybody loves dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So you just got to consider it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Except for me. I'm like the one running up to the dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you for that. Also, one more thing about that. I think does uphill travelers get right of way, correct? So if you're on like a steep trail, you're supposed to yield to the people coming up, correct? Right. Yeah. Although sometimes if you're going up like Darren. <laughs> I, I just let the people going downhill the right of way because it gives me a chance to... Check out the view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> but yeah, uphill travelers have the right of way. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to the good stuff. The TRT, the Tahoe Rim Trail through hike. Um, and I'm thinking 
perhaps the best way to do this, because not everybody's going to be planning to do the TRT, um, right. is we'll sort of use the the TRT as our case study in trying to make this as applicable as possible to general through hiking. How about that? Yeah, sounds good. And like backpacking, um, because also none of these trails can can take everybody, you know, so we got to spread it out. And there are plenty in your own backyards that you could probably find and do through hikes. So um, I am sure that this is going to be really helpful for anybody specifically planning the Tahoe Rim Trail. But if you're not specifically planning the Tahoe Rim Trail, we're going to go over all sorts of cool backpacking tips and planning and gear and all of that. So um, let's do that. I kind of want you to take us through the steps of planning and preparing and then packing and what it's like on the trail and all of that. Lessons you learned, stuff like that. So where do you even start? Well, we started looking at YouTube videos actually when we kind of started it and then we went on a couple test runs. um, It's funny because you said planning and I think that's everything. Um, the first thing you should get is a beautiful wife. That's very organized <laughs> um, because plan very well <laughs> for both of you. And, um, I, you know, I thought, Oh my gosh, we're taking this overboard. But even with the best of plans, we ran into mistakes mm-hmm. on the trail, yeah. but preparation and planning and forethought is so important. Looking ahead, we watched a YouTube video where, these high school kids, um, yeah, they were carrying canned goods <laughs> in their their backpack, going around. And I'm thinking, well, it can't be that hard. Well, these kids that you see on the video, they had a terrible time by the end of the I trail. Mean, one of them was wearing jeans. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> poor kids. So um, I think that was a good case study for what not to do. But um, yeah. it was fun. They they had fun with it. And of course, you're that young. You know, you're kind of. Um, you're not as vulnerable to, you know, you can just ride it out. But planning, number one. And Dawn did a great job um, planning. And I'll just kind of let her run with <laughs> where we where we left off there. So well, thanks, Taryn. Yeah. <laughs> so in two, we, uh, we, we had completed this hike last summer in 2019 um, on August 11th. But we actually section hiked. Um, so we, we just did like some short sections of it in 2018 and, uh, well, they were probably like nine to 15 mile segments. And as we were doing these segments where, you know, the Tahoe rim trail is a complete loop around Lake Tahoe on the rim, uh, of Lake Tahoe. Of the mountains. Of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not on the rim of the lake, not on the beach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he went for a long walk on the beach, had some tacos, yeah. called it a day. <laughs> uh, it says it's 165 miles, but somehow we clocked 185. Now, I don't know. It's somewhere between 165 and 185 miles. There are some, there have been some rerouted sections and new trail built, but, um, so we, we started by just section hiking a few, uh, of the spots of the room trail in 2018. And we ran into some logistical issues because we thought, well, let's just section hike this whole trail. That'll be really cool. And you totally can do that. Um, you can hike the whole trail in sections if you don't have time 
to take off to do the whole trail at once or the desire. Um, My parents did that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've done it a couple times. I think they have, actually. Yeah. Your mom said in both directions. Yeah, that's right. Clockwise and counterclockwise, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it takes a lot of logistics because you have to have basically a car where you start and a car where you end, or you just start and end at the same point, but then you're kind of like doubling up your miles, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it just got a little bit complicated and we ran into this couple um, on one of our overnight backpacking trips in 2018 and they were just finishing their their through hike they were in like their last mile Mm -hmm. of their through hike and they stopped and talked to us and and after we left them i was like i could not get out of my mind i was like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we could do this not just me we could i'm the big (laughs) bigger hiker of the family but i proposed it to darren after that, probably like early in 2019. And he actually said yes. And I was like, what do you think about doing the whole thing at once? Like just taking a couple weeks off and planning it and just doing it. And I was totally shocked, but he said yes. And, and so in, it was like March of last year, it was when we really started the planning process. And, um, it just started by, well, really like picking some dates to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of arbitrarily picked a few weeks. We decided to take two weeks. Um, it just seemed like a good round number that would give us the opportunity to have one day off in the middle, um, which is called like a zero day. So we took a zero day um, in Tahoe City. And um, so that gave us. 13 days of hiking and then one day off. So we took, we made sure we had the two weeks off of work. Um, and then really just kind of started looking at our gear because like I said, we'd done some backpacking in 2018, but as soon as we started doing some research, we really realized very quickly. We we realized the hodgepodge of stuff we had put together for the section hikes Mm -hmm. probably wasn't going to be adaptable to a 14 day Mm -hmm. hike. Um, yeah. And so it took an investment. We did not have ultra, you know, ultra light gear is like kind of like the big thing. And we did not have any of that. And um, I mean, you can spend a small fortune on ultra light gear. So we kind of chose like a middle ground and just started slowly, like through a lot of research, piecing our stuff together and had this giant gear pile here in the basement um, of our house. For the whole spring of 2019 and we'd go out and try stuff out and you know we swapped things out and the the gear was a really big deal our goal was to have the lightest packs that we could without breaking the bank um and so we both got our base weight so your base weight is all of your gear minus your food and your water um so everything everything you're going to be carrying we got our base weights down to about 17 to 18 pounds, which for like serious ultralighters would be just so heavy. But yeah. um, actually, that's pretty dang light. Yeah. And we both carried 55 liter packs. Uh, actually, mine was a 55 and Darren's was a 58. 
And we ran into some pretty seasoned through hikers when we were out there and they were, they were very impressed by our pack sizes. So that made us feel really good. Like we had, you know, done a good job in our research because once you start adding food and water, because we carried from on any given day between one liter and five liters of water, we had some pretty big water carries because there's a really dry section. Um, And then with your food, you know, you kind of average about two pounds of food per person per day. Um, So that can add up really quickly. And um, so, yeah, having kind of the lightest gear that we could have. And we had the advantage of doing it as a couple. So we carried one tent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We carried one stove. We carried one water filtration system. So that really helped too. But yeah, like Darren said, when you're on the trail for two weeks, you're trying to get get your gear as light as you can. Yeah, so no kidding. Huge part of our planning process. Is there anything Just, that you found you absolutely loved and you, you know, like would say you've got to bring this on your through hike. Ooh, let's see. I'd swear by my shoes. Yeah. What are your shoes? Yeah. The ultras. Um, ultras. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, it's a trail running shoe. And I hear if you go in and say, I'm going to hike in these shoes, I want the trail running ultras that some places won't sell them because I guess they'll not, sell them. They just don't yeah, recommend I don't, them. They, they don't recommend them for a hiking shoe, but, um, and we'll talk about this, I guess at some point, some of the struggles we have, but mm-hmm. I really feel like the key to taking care of your feet is keeping them cool and not sweaty. Mm-hmm. And so those ultras really fed into that theory. Uh, my feet were, they, they could breathe. I could feel the air going through them. They were lightweight, um, easy to take on, easy, easy to put on, easy to take off. Um, very lightweight. I was skeptical of them, Jackie, very mm-hmm. skeptical. I just felt like, oh, these things feel like slippers, you know, and um, they, they aren't going to make it, but they did great for me. I did wear a hole in them, but um, as far as integrity to get me through the entire trail, yeah. absolutely fine. So yeah. that my sh- shoes was my main thing that I liked. That is really good. And just I just want to warn people, ultras are a zero drop shoe. And so I wouldn't recommend just switching to ultras and going on a 12 mile hike. You're going to get yeah. like plantar fasciitis or something awful. Um, so they but ultras actually have a guide to like transitioning to zero drop and zero drop just means between the heel and the toe in the actual footbed. There's no drop. And most running and hiking shoes have a significant drop. I know my Brooks Cascadias were like a 12 or something, 12 millimeter drop, which is really intense going from Brooks to ultras. So like most of them are somewhere in the middle, but keep that in mind if you guys are going to go out and try ultras. And that's a really important part of your planning process too. Um, whether you're doing a, just a longer backpacking trip or uh, an entire through hike is to take do start early enough with your research and purchasing of your gear and your, you know, what you're going to take out there so that you can take it out and use it before. I mean, I had a lot of miles on my shoes prior to going out there, probably like 50 to 60 miles on the shoes that I chose. I had carried my pack a bunch. Like we had taken our gear out and used it and worn it because once you're out there, you're out there, you know, and so it was, you definitely don't want to buy some new hiking boots and then try to go. Yeah. Well, and even with all that preparation, um, I put in 
another pair of different shoes in one of our uh, resupplies mm. because I thought, geez, if, if these are going to be terrible, at least halfway through or so, I'm going to be able to go back to something, you know, that I know. Mm-hmm. You had oboes. I had oboes, yeah. What were what oboes did you use for that? Oh. Firebrands. Firebrands? Yeah. Oboes firebrands? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think they're the firebrand twos. Him and my dad have the exact same. And, and <laughs> cool. I don't know. Those probably would have been just fine using those mm-hmm. too. But, you know, until we yeah. do this, I put those on. I don't know. But um, I like the ultras. Yeah. Get me- if it ain't broke, don't fix it, especially when it comes to your feet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. What did you use, Don? I know you had some some fun had, stories. <laughs> I had for all the planning and preparation, like we talked about, like you just, if you're not hiking an average of 14 miles a day, day after day after day, carrying 30 to 35 pounds, like if you're not doing that every day, you're you're going to have some uh, uh, adjustment issues yeah. <laughs> out there. You're and not going to know. Exactly. You're not going to know. Like your body is just not used to that. And so I had Hoka Torrance and I had some Superfeet Trail Blazer insoles. And I loved my shoes. Um, But I did have some significant blister issues um, almost the whole trail. And I think that there was a couple reasons for that. One being that I didn't take my shoes off enough those first few days or even the whole trail. Every time you take a break, or we took a break, I should have taken my shoes off just to let my feet air out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that. So they're getting really hot. Um, it was in August when we wound up doing the hike. And so it was hot out. Uh, I did a really long hike, uh, backpacking trip in the fall with the same shoes and had zero issues. So I think the heat really contributed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So shoes, people cool. pay attention to your shoes. feet. Yeah. But I'd say another piece of gear that was really key for both of us were trekking poles. And that was something that prior to the hike last year, last summer, um, we, neither one of us had used those much. I always kind of thought of them as like an old person gear item. And boy, was I wrong. My husband needs them, but I, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this old guy, no, but those, saved us Mm -hmm. they are so i mean first of all if you have any sort of feet issues or anything just having something else that you can bear a little bit of weight on so helpful and then for the uh they really help you on going uphill to be able to push off of and they save your knees Mm -hmm. when you're going downhill with weight um just having that that ability to to have a two extra hands two Mm -hmm. extra feet um, so those were, those were like some of my favorite piece of gear. <laughs> How do you? I, I like, as a man, I like to have something that like I could swat a snake or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt like I could, you know, I had a little defensive <laughs> stick in my hand, you know? I don't know. Does that sound weird? But, Darren's doubled as like a dart blower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dart blower. It just, I just felt more, you know, you know, you're know, you going in areas that are really rocky. It's hot out. Well, what does that equal? That yeah. equals snake. Yep, and true. so 
I just felt like I kind of had an extension to kind of mm-hmm. swat things away if I needed to or mm-hmm. what never ran into that problem. But just it, it gave me some confidence too. not only was it handy and very beneficial, but gave me some confidence too. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about carrying blister pads, Don? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I am a total minimalist. Just naturally, I like to have things very clean and organized and carry the bare minimum, which is great when you're looking at how much weight you're carrying. Um, when we were doing our preparation, Darren was showing me some of the stuff he was bringing. Um, and I honestly laughed at him. He brought a pair of, he brought a blister kit and he brought a pair of scissors. And I thought, <laughs> this is so dumb that you're bringing these scissors. Well, I ate my words like, every day, multiple times a day, because I use those things to cut so many pieces of moleskin and tape for my feet. Um, So yeah, the scissors, probably my other most favorite piece of gear. (laughs) And these are, I think they were five bucks on Amazon. They're tiny. They're little folding. I mean, they're they're nothing. But Mm. boy, when Uh. you have a pair of scissors out there when you need them, it's actually pretty handy. Yeah. Okay. And having a, a decent first aid kit and I mean, thankfully, I have a husband who's also an EMT. And so just kind of tasked him with the first aid kit. And even though I laughed at him before he left, I was so appreciative <laughs> that he was so prepared because I needed almost everything that he brought. <laughs> mm-hmm. What yeah. about your water filtration system? Mm. So well, also something that we tried out before we left. Yes which is important to do because it's a lot different filtering water out of a creek than like your bathtub. Um, We used a Sawyer squeeze and we filtered all of our water for the whole, whole trip. Um, Didn't want to get any of that Giardia. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we had a pretty slick system. We used a gravity feed system. So we had like a dirty water bag and then a, a tube that hooked into the filter and then the filter just hooked on to the end of uh, it just screws onto the water bottles. Yeah. And we just use smart water bottles cause they're super light and they're one liter a piece. And so I think we each carried two of those. Um, but then we also carried, we also had the ability to carry up to five liters a piece. So we had some extra bladders um, that we could carry water in for those longer water carries. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we had one dirty bag, yep. and then we each carried two clean bladder bags plus our um, regular everyday drinking smart water bottles that are each one liter. So, um, okay. So you're saying one dirty bag, meaning that's the one you dip in the creek, and then you filter yep. through and into your clean bags that you each carry, and then your water yep. bottles. Yeah. And we really only had to fill the bags up on the longer water carry. Mm -hmm. We mostly just kind of rolled with like two full liters of water because the, the fortunate part for us was that 20, the winter of 2018, 2019 was a huge snow year in the Sierra. And I mean, just major snowpack. We actually even pushed our trip back two weeks mm-hmm. um, when we originally planned it because there was still so much snow in July when we had originally decided to go pushed it back to the beginning of August. Um, so we really didn't have any issues finding water. Now last winter 
here was not so uh, wet. And so there's people, I think there's like a 50 mile dry section right now on the east side. And so people are having to carry a lot more water and stage water. And um, But fortunately, our longest water carry or stretch without any water was, I think, 19 miles from Watson Lake to uh, just out, just inside of the Mount Rose Wilderness. Okay. So that was our longest section. And that's uphill, water. by the way. Yeah, it's like yeah, a seven mile uphill <laughs> <laughs> section. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So anything else gear-wise that you definitely want to highlight before you move on? We each carried an anchor. I know you're a big fan of the anchor. Oh, yeah. Full chargers. That was awesome. Anchor, uh, anchor is uh, A-N-K-E-R. And it's just a battery pack. But yeah, those yes. things are... I Mine's sitting right here. I'm holding it right now. Like, it's always within reach <laughs> for me. Always. No. Yeah. A bit, actually, you're the one that I got the idea from to get get them. And we had taken them, you know, traveling before. But yeah, th- those were great. Um we we probably could have gotten away with one if we had. I don't know. I think we could mm-hmm. this next time. I don't think we needed to each have one because those things hold a lot of juice. They're great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't super cold when we did the hike, so you know they they, they kind of tend to drain more right. when they're cold. But okay. yeah, that those were a yeah, really because, the gear. Yeah, because you need your phone for mapping and staying connected if you can to people and lifeline pictures and pictures yeah we each carried a sit pad oh, too yeah. the sit um, pad. i think you, you really underestimate the importance of um a flat level surface and a chair in your life <laughs> like this yeah. um, so whenever you did find someplace to sit it probably wasn't the most comfortable even though it was level so you pull out this little sit pad and you think it's kind of silly when you get it and you think okay am i going to use this i used it all the time yeah, for everything um from not only sitting but it was kind of my my little doormat for my side of the tent to get out and step on in the morning mm-hmm. instead of pine needles and rocks and stuff. Right. It's so handy, that little sit pad. And it mm-hmm. weighs nothing. And you just keep it handy and pull it out whenever you want to relax for a few minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Like an accordion Thermarest Z seat. Okay. They're pretty small too. Are all of these things listed in your blog post? Yeah. Yes, they awesome. are all listed in there. Meticulously. <laughs> awesome. That's how we like it. I'll make right. sure to... We're going to link to that for sure, because that's like a mega guide to the TRT, but also just has a packing list. I know you've even referenced it yourself as you've gone backpacking afterwards. Go back to your packing list. Yep. I'm heading out tomorrow, so I will probably reference it today. Yeah. It's so nice. I do that with my own blog. I'm like, okay, time to pack. Like, do I need to remind myself of anything? I'll just pull up my blog posts and... Oh yeah. Well, I was thinking when I was writing it, I pretty I I wrote what I would have liked to have been able to have. Yeah. Right. Out. So that's another point is um in the planning period, what sort of resources did you look for to put this together? Put our hike together. Mm-hmm. Um the so there's a podcast called Backpacker Radio and they focus primarily on the longer through hikes, the 
the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like you can apply, just kind of like we were talking about earlier, you can apply the things that I learned through that podcast to any length of a hike. Um, that was super helpful. That podcast comes from um, a website called The Trek and they have a ton of resources on their website. Um, they break them down by those three trails specifically. And because the PCT and the Tahoe Rim Trail join up for about 50, a 50 mile section, uh, we were actually hiking on the PCT for about 50 miles. Um, I really use the PCT resources because the, you know, the terrain, at least through the Sierra, the terrain, the weather, um, like, well, it is one and the same. So yeah. um, those that, that was really invaluable. And then like Darren said, YouTube, mm-hmm. there's a guy named Darwin on the trail. And then there's another gal named Dixie. Her site, uh, her channel is Homemade Wanderlust. Uh, they, they just have tons of resources. And they're fun. They're fun to watch and you learn yeah. a lot from them. Mm-hmm. We would just sit down periodically and just like watch videos and take notes and and then do our own research. And we had an advantage that a lot of people aren't going to have. And Don mainly did most of it, but um, we were able to go in and kind of scout out the year before. And then during the season, the reason we had to uh, push the, the start date back was because Don periodically would go up and just kind of poke her nose in on the trail and just see how much snow is there. And yeah. she was able to get some Intel that way and then that you know so we, we kind of had an advantage a lot of people don't but if people did want to come to the trt they could go to things like gut hook and stuff like that and there's a lot of people that put comments in on those those apps um that you can kind of get some good intel on where you're going to be the next month or whatever and start getting some ideas on how to prepare or whether you need to postpone or not yeah oh, i just forgot one of the biggest resources was the trta website Okay. Uh, the Tahoe Rem Trail Association website. That website is awesome. I mean, they have obviously everything TRT related and parking. That was a big deal. They have a parking section. They have um, water, like how to, what the water's, water situation is like. Um, they have a trail condition uh, mm-hmm. page, which is super helpful on a year like we had, you know, where it was super super snowy um they have sample itineraries they have tons of stuff and you can also like volunteer with them to do trail work and you could do a guided trip through them i believe you can do a guided trip through them yep they do guided trips each year so and i imagine that any any of the circuit hikes are going to have similar websites and yeah resources so yeah, cool. What yeah. about the permit section? Because you had to get permits, no, for part of it. Yeah, we. So the trail goes through the Desolation Wilderness, and you do need a permit to enter the Desolation Wilderness. And it is generally on a quota system for just someone going in for the day, meaning that it's like uh, they only allow a certain number of people in per day. And so you kind of have to apply for those permits well in advance. 
uh, with through hikers, you bypass the quota system. So it's pretty cool. So you just have to apply for the permit. We did it two, about two weeks before we went. You do have to tell them exactly what day you're going to enter and then approximately what day you're going to exit the wilderness. So you kind of have to have your itinerary set. Um, I think the permit cost us $10. And $10 processing. And a ten, $10 per person and a $10 processing fee. Um, so we just called the the um, Tahoe Basin National Forest office and did everything over the phone. And then they mailed it to us like two days later. Oh, wow. They mailed it to you. They Perfect. mailed it. You actually, you have to have as it with of, you. As of last year, you had to have a paper copy with you. Yeah. Um. So, and then we also got a California campfire permit. There are no campfires allowed on the TRT, but you do have to have a campfire permit in order to operate a portable stove. Uh-huh. And so okay. You can do that. Um online as well. There's a, a link in my site to do you, that. You have to watch a training video. Yeah, you have to watch a video. You have to take a little test. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you asked the test. That's actually really handy if you if you live or recreate in California because that's good until the end of the calif- or calendar year. So you just have to do one of those per year. So no matter where you are in, is it the Tahoe Basin or is it in California in general it's, right now? in general. Okay. So you have to have a permit to operate a camp stove right now in California. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's actually been a thing for a long time. Um, I guess I've been gone for a while. Right now, when I worked for the Forest Service, I wrote a lot of campfire permits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So that's good to know. Actually pretty easy because you only need, um, you know, to, to actually hike it, you only need the the one to enter the desolation, which is gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, what kind of food uh, would you recommend? What kind of food did you did you eat? This is a funny thing. <laughs> we overprepared yeah. on food. <laughs> oh my goodness! I think I don't know if we were like both worried about starving or something, but. We bought so much food. Here's the thing, and Darren, you can chime in too, but the first couple days of the trail, I don't know if it's our body adjusting or what, but we were hardly hungry. Hmm. And so here we had all this food. We we just bought a bunch of food that sounded backpacky and easy to carry and that would sounded appealing for out there. And then we actually had a gallon Ziploc bag per day that we just laid all of our food out. And then we stuffed food in to these gallon bags. And we'd write each like day. day one. Yeah. Day so two. day one, we had our bag mm-hmm. that we pulled out and um, it sounds great and organized and everything. It was total overkill. And because we didn't end up eating a lot of the stuff at the beginning, we just wound up with a ton of food, which Guess being overprepared is better than being underprepared, but it just ended up being too much food. And some of the stuff that sounded really good here in the kitchen just did not, did not, was not appealing out there at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so actually, we had a resupply. We had some friends uh, come help us. So they brought us some more food uh, and just kind of some resupply gear about four days in. And we ditched 
so much of our food. We tore all those bags apart that we had so meticulously. Completely realigned. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, don't want this. This was gross. Don't want this. Um, And we just went. I think the biggest key is simple. Like Simple, yeah. We ended up, what we ended up doing, and it was actually really efficient. If you'd told me this before the hike, that this is how I was going to eat, I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. But we ended up cold soaking most of it. I'd say a good three quarters of it, maybe maybe more than half. Yeah. We ended up cold soaking. You want to explain what that is? Um, <clears throat> so basically we used um, a little plastic jar. What, what is that? Tal- you know that gelato? It's like Talenti? Yes. Talenti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Containers are brown key. lid. Yep. Um, then they, you you eat the ice cream first. Eat the Yay! Ice cream. <laughs> and then you go. Mm, that was good. Then you clean it out, and then you put whatever you want for dinner in it in the morning, and you pour a little water in it. You screw it tight, put it in your pack, and hike. And when you get to where you want to eat dinner, um, guess what? Your food may not be hot, but it's prepared. It's been soaked in water. So it's, you know, whatever that food is and done. We did like ramen. We did a lot of ramen. Ramen. And what was our breakfast? I came. It was. Um, we would do the same thing with oatmeal. So we'd yeah. put all of our oatmeal. I actually, before we left, I'd put oatmeal and cinnamon and salt and like some fruit in these little individual baggies. So we just pour it in the container the night before with a little bit of water and then we'd stop like mid morning and enjoy cold oatmeal, which sounds really gross, but you know, when you're hiking in the summertime and you don't want to, it was simple. It was, it it tasted great when you've just hiked uh, six miles for the morning and it's 10 30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. It tastes fine. And it's plenty of fuel. And then you clean it out and then you put put your dinner in it, water, Screw the lid tight, and now dinner's going to be ready for when it. And we even did, we even cold coffee. Yeah. It was efficient. Yeah. We had cold coffee every morning. It, it's funny your idea of how it's going to be before you go, and then the reality. It's like, oh, we're going to enjoy a nice hot cup of coffee every morning. And just, no, we found out that the mornings were the best time to hike because the sun is intense in this year and it gets hot in August. Yeah. And so we would wake up and usually be on the trail between six and six thirty. And we made the most miles before noon. That's when we did the majority of our miles. So then by the afternoon, we could just kind of take our time um, and maybe even get to our campsite, you know, where we plan to stay a little bit early and have time to set up and eat and everything. So yeah, the envision of these long mornings enjoying coffee turned into pouring instant coffee in our little container and drinking it as we walked down the trail. But for people listening, that might not sound great, but it was, it was awesome. great. It was a great experience because you're you're hiking, you're talking, you're fresh, you're fresh and you're rested. It, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Um, it w- made the experience a lot more, you know. I think you change. I think about day three and a half, four, you change and you you start to realize what little you really need. Ugh, and yeah. your energy is now focused on outside and your body and your experience and your relationships. So all that all that other stuff that you think is a romantic about hiking and camping 
um, you're experiencing yourself and your your wife, and that that changes it. That makes it completely different. I didn't expect it, um, but you definitely change after a couple of days, and then you then you realize, wow, okay, this is why we did this. Yeah, and probably just like traveling, Jackie. <laughs> traveling, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you have everything that you need on your back, you just realize like how much stuff we have that we just really don't need. I think it was just such a freeing experience for both of us to realize like we have everything we need on our back. Like, yeah, we're probably going to need some more food. And yeah, these clothes are probably going to get really gross at some point. But you have everything you need. And there's just a lot of freedom in that. And that's something about this experience that was just such a takeaway for me was we have so much more than we need in our quote unquote normal life. And um, there's just a lot of freedom in carrying everything you need on your back. Heck yes. Yes, and the, there is. The days for the burgers or the pizza <laughs> and the beer, or, or the beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but that you're fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you guys had a zero day where you got to have p- uh, burgers and beer and ice cream and rest your blistered feet, and yes. and that was a yeah. reward for you. It was such a it reward. It was a reward, but we walked into Tahoe City, and I think it must have been a weekend. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday, and the first thing you hear as you start walking towards Tahoe City is people and cars mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. So that, you know, it's increasingly getting noisier. And we rolled up onto the Truckee River and there's a thousand people on floaties and (laughs) tables and parking lots and screaming and, you know, nothing against it. Great. You know, I'm glad you're having fun. But what a shock it was for us because now we're like, wow, we just (laughs) and going back to Don's blisters, Don walked 40 miles on some blisters. I mean, you talk about tough. So this was her coming into town, basically looking at a way to recoup her feet. Yeah. And all these people are just everywhere. It was just, it was quite a shock. But I yeah. think we had one of Mexican food, didn't yeah. we? Because it was the only place we could get in yes. or something. We walked into the bridge tender and they're like, well, first of all, they look at your big backpack. <laughs> we had been like seven days out at that point, And I don't think we smelled each other, but I'm sure other people smelled oh, yeah. And we actually stopped at a picnic table outside and like got some baby wipes and like wiped down a little bit and had our stuff kind of spread out. And we were getting the craziest looks like these dirt bags. We're like, yeah, that's right. But yeah, we walked in there and they're like, yeah, it'll be 45 minutes. And we were like, ah, yeah, no, we need beer sooner than that. So yeah. went and had Mexican and enjoyed a day off. I think you were lucky to be on your feet. You wouldn't have moved anywhere in traffic in Tahoe City. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Exactly. Yeah. I That's love that town, but... <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, it's insanity. In the summer, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I did want to mention, too, that um, we... we So the it's recommended that you carry a bear canister with you on the trail um, to keep all of your food and supplies that have, you know, some kind of fragrance in Um, it's recommended, but not required. And we felt really confident about our hanging skills. And um, we did that the whole way with our, our food and everything. 
and that actually worked out really well. We didn't, we never had any issues and Darren became really professional at hanging food. So you didn't bring a bear box. We did not bring it. We bear canister. Not. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's a super important no, it, thing to be aware of. Too. Yeah. If you don't know how to hang yeah. food, bring a bear canister. Yes. Um, we did see bears up there. Um, but if you don't know how to hang it, you're, you're way better off. Cause I mean, okay. There, there's some danger with bears and humans and those encounters, but, um, morning of day two on a four day hike and all your food's gone. Um, yeah. that's a challenge. So, um, just make sure you know how to hang your food yeah. if, if you're going to choose to go that route and bring bear spray. Yes. We yep. have bear spray. Yeah. Each person bring bear spray. Yeah. And have it accessible. Yeah. Right? You live in grizzly country. Yeah. But I think that's a, people's other mistake is they have bear spray, but maybe it's like in their bag. No, it needs to be accessible. Yeah. Also learn how to use it. I mean, before, like watch a YouTube video so you know how to hold your arm and how to use it because it's also important to know how to use it. You know, it's not yeah. one of those. <laughs> it's not a toy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, it's been uh, a year since you guys finished just over a year, almost to the day since you guys finished your trail. Um, is there anything else you want to add about the experience? Something that really stood out to me and was something that I had heard about, especially listening to a lot of the podcasts I listened to before, but was the trail community and uh, just the other people that you meet out there and how special that is. And we definitely found that to be true. Um, you know, we took, uh, we took two weeks to do this hike and we met people that were doing it in um, six days. We met a couple that was doing it in six days. We met a lot of people that were doing it in that eight, nine, 10 day realm. And you certainly can do that. I mean, we had some days that were cut pretty short. However, I loved that we had the extra time that we did because we stopped and talked to so many people on the trail and got to know them. And you can, you can tell the people that are through hiking, the people that are out day hiking and the people that are through hiking, a lot of them we stop and talk to and hear their stories and kind of get to know them. We actually hiked with a guy one, like for an entire day, we just kind of kept leapfrogging each other and had lunch together and, and, it was just a really, really cool experience. And then even to stop and talk to the day hikers, because they're like, what, you're doing the whole thing? Like, they're so excited and encouraging. And I loved that we had that, that we took two full weeks to not rush through it. You know, we could stop and take pictures, we could stop and, you know, appreciate uh, the scenery or take a longer lunch and not feel rushed out there. Um, We could really, truly just slow down out there and the the trail community and the things that come with the trail and the things and the people are just so unique. And I'm just really grateful that we took the time we did Mm -hmm. to do it. Yeah. And the experiences, um, bringing your friends in for resupplies, that was very rewarding. Um, you know, you get to always hang out with your friends at home and stuff, but, um, I think they get some joy out of helping yeah. you and uh, sharing your experiences. One of the people that resupplied us were, uh, Mark and Jolene there. I think they mm. were on your podcast, yes. um, years ago. 
Um, way long ago they were in like episode 16 yeah maybe yeah um wonderful friends um and really smart they came up and then they ended up hiking with us for like three three or four miles their whole family like to just kind of kind of give us a nice you know shove off into the forest and it was so fun because it was rejuvenating that was like day five yep and um it just is really nice okay and they're asking you questions and you know those are great things um our son Tanner came up and resupplied us at one point. It was good to see family, you know, and ask him how he's doing. He ended up bringing us in and out burgers yeah. and didn't bring oh. himself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he watched us eat and he was hungry, but those are things you learn as a kid. But um, it was just, just tell him about your friends that brought us your beer. Yeah. So we ended up, um, I ended up getting cell service up near um, Relay Peak and, um, I knew that some friends of mine that always go over to, and they go into the Rubicon area every year. And um, this, our hike was going on during that trip that I usually join those guys on. And I knew that they'd be coming out of Ta- around Tahoe and heading back down uh, towards Reno at this time. So I just texted one of them and said, Hey, um, any of you guys have some, you know, beer? We're, we're going to be down at the Mount Rose campground. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think I think I got a ha ha or something or hope everything's well type of thing. Well, we rolled into Mount Rose Campground, and um, you know we walk through and we see the host and we ask her if there's space available. And um, I think they said no. Yeah, right? she's like, mm, yeah. we're full. We're full. Like, ah. <laughs> and we start. We kind of like okay, make short talk, and then we're thinking, okay, where are we going to camp tonight? And she says, hey, wait, are you Darren Swinney? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, well, there's a campsite set up for you already. These guys came in and they bought you a campsite. And there's a cooler full of beer in the bear box for you. It was wonderful. That was on like 12 or 11. So it was pretty far into it. So it was so cool. So, you know, the friend's experience, even though you're just doing it yourself, that was kind of a nice little tie-in. that They helped us out. Thank you, Brant. Um, That's who ended up doing that for us. It just... Really awesome. We met a guy named Froggy. I think he was in his mid-70s, wasn't yeah. he? He was finishing up a section of the PCT that he wasn't able to finish because I think the year prior, the wildfires yeah. um, ran him out. Um, I I wasn't sure he was alive when I saw him because he was <laughs> sleeping next to a tree and kind of walking by him. Oh, my gosh. And, he, you know, he just had his hat over his head. He was just taking a nap. Um, his He was really cool. We talked to him for a good 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, great experience. Um, just great people. Um, the triple crown hikers that are just blasting through, you can get good info from them. Um, just good people, good experience. You learn about yourself, you learn about others. It was really fun. Really fun. We learned a lot about each other too, I think. You know, we're still married (laughs) and we're still happily married. (laughs) (laughs) We did good. I think that's a sign of the minimalistic nature of it is, when you know when you have all the conveniences in the world, I think it's easy to complain. But when you're out there and you know you just have from A to B to go to, and you're with the person you love, it's pretty pretty yeah. incredible experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love. And that. Darren was a huge support to me when I had my my feet issues. I mean, my blister issues started on like day three, and they continued for a long time. And I had a I had I actually had a meltdown on the trail. And one of my blisters popped um, on the bottom, very bottom of the feet. 
and it was hot and it felt like someone like just seared the bottom of my feet with like a hot iron or something. Um, so Darren kind of got me off to the side of the trail. We found a little like private spot and we just with a view hung out there like three hours and just let my feet kind of air out. He like did some surgery on my blisters and I was just super frustrated, but I, I honestly like really needed him to get through the trail, which was funny because going into it, being the really avid hiker that I am, I thought it might be the other way around. (laughs) But he was a total rock star and he really, really helped just encourage me and um, just, you know, helped to talk me off the ledge, so to speak, when I was not going to give up. I I, I never even thought twice about like quitting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he helped make the experience that I was having a lot more enjoyable. And like I, I've written about, like, I just kind of accepted it as like, this is part of the experience. This, yes, this is adversity. And yes, this is painful. But guess what, we get to be out here, we are choosing this adventure right now. Uh, No one's making us do this, we get to be out here. And so instead of feeling sorry for myself and complaining about it, I just kind of accepted it as part of the experience. And you know, was able to, to walk through it with a lot of support from my husband. So you learn about your hiking partner and you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't fight. Uh-uh, we, did, we really didn't. The entire trail, we did not have an argument, which leading up, we had a lot of disagreements on yeah. <laughs> how this was going to go. <laughs> so that was so good. Was a win. <laughs> is this is this a relationship advice podcast? Or <laughs> always, definitely. Yeah. It's it's always what it comes back to. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, no, I always say everybody needs a Dawn. That's like one of the things that I say because yeah. she's you know always been there for me. But you just proved that everybody needs a Darren too. So <laughs> I love it. Get yourself a Dawn and get yourself a Darren, and you'll be set. Uh-huh. <laughs> You have both. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I try. Uh, yeah. We hang out when we can. That's right. Um, I love that you guys mentioned the connection thing, though, because I think, as is true with n- nearly every travel experience, I mean, unless you're really just doing like a solo thing, then maybe the connection is just with yourself and nature or whatever. But um, the stories that you bring home at the end of the day, the really strong ones always have to do with other people and the people that you come across mm-hmm. in your journey. And I love that you guys took the time to that, especially that that was a highlight for you to take the time to connect with other people. Because at the very beginning of this podcast, you you mentioned that it was stopping with one of those couples the year before that inspired you to do this entire through hike in the first place. And so you may have passed that on without even knowing it, you know, with the people that you stopped to talk to the day hikers, um, just inspiring the people that, that did see you, even if they were giving you dirty looks in Tahoe city, you never know what kind (laughs) of, what are those guys doing? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, what was really cool is we had been leapfrogging this, group of three kind of younger guys they were probably in like their late 20s or something um 
the whole last like two or three days of our hike and we would pass them and they would pass us. And when we got to the finish, they where we finished and we had talked to them like, Oh yeah, we're finishing this place. When we got there, they were there and they were cheering for us. They had waited for us to get there, even though they were continuing on. Mm-hmm. They, they waited for us and they cheered for us at the end. And that was like mm. so cool. They took our picture at the end. They were like, we just wanted to see you guys finish. And so you're exactly right. It's like, yeah. it's those connections that you make out there that are just, they, that's what makes the experience. Totally. And that is such a special moment. I love that they wanted to celebrate that with you because yep. so I mean, cool. when you're done, you're really just walking to a parking lot. You'd come yep. full circle, but there so isn't... Cool. Yeah, there isn't like a start or a finish. There wasn't a finish. There wasn't a band playing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. So but, I love yeah. that they made it special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really cool. So. Okay. So what advice would you give to someone considering a through hike like this? What advice would you give, Darren? Well, I'm, I'm biased, but definitely uh, Dawn wrote a great write-up um, on her blog. Um, I think it's, it's very well connected, um, with what you need and, uh, even highlight some of our mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. boy, this is a dumb one, but you know, all our preparation we did, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a sleeping bag and it ended up being kind of one of our last minute purchases. Well, it was too short. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent this whole trip in a sleeping bag could have been, I could have <laughs> slept a lot better if it was about 12 inches longer. Oh and <laughs> so um, preparation and we, and Don did a great job. I mean, I think we both played a role, but pre- preparing, we didn't know what we didn't know. And just little dumb things like that, that you overlook, um, make sure you just really prepare for it. Take plenty of time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I don't know what else. What do you have? I would say my two things are number one, if you're thinking about doing it, do it. Like put the thinking into planning, like buy one thing or uh, even like download a map for a trail. Like just take one step towards actually doing that adventure because my whole thing is living one day now. Like, I don't want to be saying, well, one day I want to do this or one day I want to do that. And of course I have a list of things that I would like to do, but I'm really trying to make those things happen ASAP because we're just not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I think if you're thinking about it, take one step towards actually doing it. And then the second thing that I would say, I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got really passionate about that. Well, that's well, a really right. good one. Wow. One small yeah. step in the right direction to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. It. If, if you're thinking about it, just put it on the calendar for next year. And maybe go. that's the first step. And yeah. then start looking at gear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Practice. Yep. Yeah. Start moving yeah. in the right direction and you'll eventually get there. And right. you, you helped us too, you know, you've inspired us to travel. And um, so you, you played a big role in that too. In fact, you got me through part of the trail. I just downloaded some of your podcasts and just yeah. got to be a good friend while I was hiking oh, too. Thanks. It's like I was there with you. 
Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Was was that your second one, Don? Listen to the no, jump I podcast. Remember. I just remembered. <laughs> oh, what is it? Um, is so something that we did before we got on trail was define our why. Ooh. So why we were going out there, and I think that that was super important to do because, especially as as we encountered like a, the adversity with my feet and just different little issues or maybe annoyances. We put our why in a note on our phone and we're able to go back and read it. Like, this is why we're out here. Um, And it was just really, really nice to do that before we went um, because it just was something to anchor us to, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And it made it more enjoyable. And it also made it with per, you know, it made it so I felt like we had a purpose for being out there, mm-hmm. and I loved that. I love that mm-hmm. we just took the time before we we went to just really define that and write it down and be able to refer back to it. So, would you be willing to share what your why was? Oh yeah, yeah. So we had three things. One of our things was we wanted to disconnect to reconnect. Mm-hmm. Wanted uh, to just reconnect with each other. Um, our faith is really important. So with, with God and with ourselves and just the incredible, incredible creation and beauty that was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to experience true An adventure. adventure. Right? Yeah. Yep. We we're doing, we just, we we're doing something together that neither of us had ever done or tackled or attempted before. And then we wanted to be living each moment out there in complete gratitude, just kind of going back to the fact that we're, we were choosing to be out there. We, we, we got to be out there. We're consciously making the choice to be out there. And so just to truly embrace that with gratitude, even when every step feels like fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I'm definitely going to be linking to your post in the show notes. And you guys have a a little video that you made that is fun to watch. Super (laughs) fun to watch. So is that in the same post or should we link to that too? Yeah, it's in the post. Okay. That can be attributed. I put the video together. Darren takes pictures and videos constantly, which drove me absolutely crazy. It annoys annoys me even before the trip. (laughs) You could see it in the video. You get annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can see a part of it in the video. Yeah, where Don gets annoyed (laughs) on video. But But it's so good. It's like so part of it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, And what is your blog in case people aren't going to look at the show notes? So it's donswinney.com. Don is D-A-W-N, Swinney is S-W-I-N-N-E-Y.com. And I'm also on Instagram as at Don Allison with a Y, D-A-W-N-A-L-Y-S-O-N. Darren, are you anywhere? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay. Not really, That's okay. I watch and enjoy it. Yeah. I share your stuff. And you video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I he produces content. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, I'll definitely make sure to link to those in the show notes so people can enjoy that and use this incredible guide that you created 
uh, if they are planning a through hike. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you guys for coming on. I know that we could talk all day, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up. But yeah, definitely appreciate it. And um, I'm excited to see where you guys go next. Thank Thank you you so much. Yeah, thank you, Jackie. That was an honor and a pleasure. All right. Thanks again to Don and Darren for sharing their expert tips on the TRT and long distance hiking. Don't forget there are two special links in the show notes for how to prepare for a long distance hike and also Don's epic guide to hiking the Tahoe Rim Trail. Plus the video that we mentioned is in that same post. That's all in the show notes for you. Next up, we are moving to the PNW, the Pacific Northwest. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening today. Stay healthy, travel safe, be a good neighbor, and I'll see you guys next time.